It's time for left, right, and center this morning with uh, Marion Boyd on the left and Bob Metz on the right. But we do have a special, a special treat this morning. We have the federal finance minister on the light, on the line, uh, with us this morning, and uh, he is en route to back to Ottawa, I believe, Mr. Martin. Well, I hope I'm going to get back to Ottawa right now. Uh, <laughs> with this, uh, with the fog and the snow, it may be a little longer than I thought. Thank you for agreeing on short notice to come on the air with us. We really appreciate it. Well, look, at I'm delighted. Tell me before we begin, um, how is Jim Chapman? Jim is resting at home. He's going to be off probably for a few more weeks. He is resting, he's comfortable, and we are all looking very forward to having him back. Well, look, you tell him that I really wish him just a very quick recovery. Thank you very much, and we will pass that along to him. And with us in the studio as well, uh, Mr. Martin, is Marion Boyd and also Bob Metz, part of our program of Left, Right, and Center. Great. Good morning. Morning, Mr. Martin. How are you both? Not too bad. The... Um, how did, in your summation from yesterday's address, how did that go for you as far as you're concerned? Oh, I think it went, uh, I think it went very well. Um, uh, the message that we essentially set out was, I think, um, balanced, um, which I'm not sure how that fits into left, right, and center, uh, but I think, it was, um, I think it was balanced, and I, and, uh, and I think it was quite well received. And I guess the biggest news uh, that we're reading in the headlines this morning uh, after the address is that uh, we are Canadians are finally getting a tax reduction, and you're you're using that as top priority. Well, we you know made it very clear from uh, really from the beginning that that in fact if you're going to succeed in the new economy, you, essentially, uh, you know you you have to have a parallel process. That parallel process is is obviously a tax reduction that's very very important. We simply got to get more money back into people's pockets. At the same time, that you've got to invest in those things that are going to give you a secure society, and that's healthcare, that's education. It's the kinds of things that, in fact, are so important uh, in a city like London with its great universities and then its uh, and its teaching hospitals. Our guest is. Federal Finance Minister Paul Martin, he's agreed to be on the air with us for a few minutes, and he's also agreed to take your calls if you have a uh, question for Mr. Martin, 643-1290, star 1290 on the Cantel Network. Bob, do you have a question while we have the Federal Finance yes, Minister? Yes, Mr. Martin, certainly do support the government's move towards cutting taxes. Um, I understand on, on a broader philosophical basis, you, you made the, a comment in your, in your statement that government should sort of get back to doing only what government can do. Um, what areas were you specifically thinking of and what were you thinking of eliminating and which do you think are the specific areas government should be involved in? Well, I, I, you know, when we brought down the 95 budget, in fact, um, we really did um, begin to focus on those things that government can do best. And, uh, for instance, we privatized uh, the CNR. Um, we got out of the Crow uh, rate in Western Canada as an example. But there are a lot of things that government, not only the government should be doing, we, we should be doing better. I mean, uh, search and rescue is an example. Food safety is another example. Education, health care, the basic infrastructure uh, that will, you know, that will allow the private sector to create jobs. And it, it, the fact is, if you look at those areas, in fact, I think the government's got to do an, an even better job than what it's been doing. And and what how does that translate? Spending more money or, or or giving say Canadians more options in the marketplace with respect to some of these services? Well, um, you know, some of it obviously is um, is 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 more money. If you're talking about basic research, to give you one example, it's it's pretty clear uh, that the private sector uh, won't um, won't do the basic research because the payoff is, is is too far ahead. And yet, if 
if the basic research is not done, then ultimately the the, the, the applied research uh, can't can't come into being. So that's the kind of thing that I think government has to do. I don't believe the government should be out there picking winners. If that's, uh, there's no doubt about that. I think that that is the role of the private sector. It is the role of the private sector to create to create jobs. But if you look at our basic educational system, our healthcare system, I think that is the responsibility of government. You're listening to the Federal Finance Minister of Canada, Mr. Paul Martins, on 1290 CJBK. Let's take a call. If you have a question for Mr. Martin, 643-1290, star 1290 on the Cantel Network. We're going to take a call right now. Bill, good morning. You're on the air. Good morning. Yeah, good, good morning, Mr. Martin. Good morning. I, uh, I heard when the budget came out there, like the last budget there, and they were talking about there'd be a couple hundred thousand Canadians qualify for this uh, no... Uh, uh, you have a, a low enough income that you don't even have to um, do your income tax? Pay income, yeah. Yeah, and, and I wondered uh, what was the follow-up on that. Well, rough, um, uh, what, what happened was that we, we increased the threshold by uh, $675. Uh, that's a threshold where, where, which brings you up to a little over 7000 where you do not have to pay taxes. And that uh, took about 600000 uh, Canadians off the tax rolls as a result of that that one move. Marion, go ahead. Well, Mr. Martin, I want to say to you that I'm very pleased that your government has managed to resist the very strident tones of the far right and have tried to balance out the decisions that you've made. Uh, and, and to hear you say here on London uh, Radio that you really believe the infrastructure that is provided through our tax dollars is what makes it possible for Canadians to enjoy the high standard of living and makes it possible for our businesses to be successful. So I want to say to you that, you know, from a leftist position, we would have liked to have seen uh, a more emphasis on, on public spending and uh, uh, a whole lot more emphasis on those who are losing out in this economy. But I'm glad that you did balance it to that extent. Thank you. And Rick, good morning. Welcome to the show. You're talking with Federal Finance Minister Paul Martin. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. I have just a quick question for you. I wonder if there's any possibility you see down the road that we could actually see a flat tax. Well, it, uh, flat, uh, flat tax is, is, a, is an intriguing idea. Um, and um, But the real problem is in, in making the numbers work. And, and right now, when you look at the federal government's numbers, uh, we run into exactly the same problem that, in fact, a number of the Republican aspirants in the last presidential election ran into, Jack Kemp, as an example. And that is that uh, if for us to, to, make a, to have a flat tax, uh, the, um, the flat tax would have to be so high uh, that, in fact, what would happen is that the, the very wealthy would benefit and in fact, the, the very the, the lowest income people would benefit, uh, but in fact, it would mean a tax increase uh, for most middle income earners. And so, the the problem isn't one of of uh, isn't one a concept. The problem is the numbers just don't work for us at the federal level in any event. I'm glad to hear that you're uh, wanting to balance out some of the uh, the ability of, of families in Canada to try and have a decent standard of living. It really uh, is difficult when we see this growing gap between the very wealthy and those who are quite poor. And every effort that governments can make to balance that out uh, really adds to the strength of our communities. And I, I would agree with you on that. Mr. Martin, wouldn't it be more responsible to cut government spending so that it wouldn't b result in a net increase? And what would be wrong with, say, having a higher personal exam? 
exemption with a flat tax on top of that. Well, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, the, I, I think that we, we, would, we would like to see the, the personal exemption increase. Uh, you know that we did it. We we did it in each of the last two budgets, and 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 I think that that is certainly got to be a component of any uh, uh, you know of any tax reduction package to see that personal exemption continuing uh, continuing to to increase. Um, on the and, and let me make it very clear. We want to bring taxes down. We think we should bring taxes down. We think people are entitled to have more money in their pockets. But on the issue of government spending. Fact is, our government, our spending right now at 12.4 percent of GDP is the lowest percentage of GDP that it's been in over 50 years. Is there government waste? Sure, there's waste in any organization, uh, including radio stations. Uh, the, the, these, you know, are there inefficiencies? Yes, but you know, to say that that we could do the further cutbacks that would provide the kinds of tax cuts that some people are asking for, I can tell you the numbers just aren't there. And, and, and I think we've got to recognize that, that our taxes do go to cover basic services like health care, like education, and that they really do. Um, and that, and that uh, well, I don't Well, what would be wrong with privatizing health care and education more and, and, say, letting parents direct their taxes to the school, their choice, and letting teachers and parents and students run the schools, for example, instead of the government running it all from the top? Well, uh, you, you know, I, I was... I grew up in Ontario. I grew up not far from here in Windsor, as some of, some of you may know. Um, but let me tell you just simply about the education system that I see in, uh, that I see in Quebec and, and what happened because of a lot of problems that occurred about 20, 20 years ago. The private schools were on the, are on the rise, and the public school system is suffering. And why is it suffering? It's suffering because, in fact, people who've got the money are directing their children to pub private schools and they simply don't have a stake in the public school system. And that's what we've seen happen in other jurisdictions that have taken the route that Bob's recommending. Well, I wasn't referring to private money. I was referring to taxpayer we're dollars to being a, directed. We're going to take another quick call because I know sure. Mr. Martin has got to leave. Uh, Craig, you're on the air. Thanks for calling 1290 CJBK. Please say good morning to the Federal Finance Minister. Hello, Mr. Martin. Nice to speak to you. Okay, nice to speak to you. Um, I'm just, uh, just wondering quickly if you have any uh, plans in the near future for any relief for stay-at-home mothers. My wife stayed at home now and, and runs a small daycare out of her home, and uh, it's, it's getting tough to see everybody else getting um, bigger breaks. And the, and the recent, uh, um, from Mr. Crutchan, talking about uh, a year off for, uh, for uh, mothers, but I was wondering if there's any relief coming up for stay-at-home moms. Yeah. As you know, the government does provide a supplement of about $213. Now, I mean, I wish we could we could do more. But uh, what we've really got to do, given limited dollars, is operate on the basis of priorities. And, and that, um, that whether there's a, a, a problem there or not, I mean, a lot of people are, 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 are debating. But one thing is very clear, and that is that there is, that families with children um, are not treated fairly by the tax system compared to families, you know, without children or without dependent children. And, and uh, so the first priority that we've got to recognize, whether parents are working in the home or whether they're working outside of the home, is we've got to recognize just simply the greater cost of raising children, period. And, and I would hope, and I said that yesterday, I would really hope that that will be one of the priorities of our, of our tax plan. Greg, thank you for your call, and I know Federal Finance Minister Paul Martin uh, has to leave, but we wish we had more time, obviously, to uh, ask you a lot more questions, but we thank you for, uh, for agreeing to come on at such short notice. Well, look, thank you given, for giving me the, the opportunity, and, and if, if, if anybody can figure out a way to stop the snow, I'd really appreciate it. <laughs>
Even, federal, even the federal government can't do that. Can't do that. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Mr. Martin. Federal Finance Minister Paul Martin returning back to Ottawa from London from his address on the Economic Outlook uh, address yesterday at the London Convention Center. Left, right, and center with Marion Boyd and Bob Metz. We'll be back right after this on 1290 CJBK. Good morning. Good morning. You're listening to Talk in the Town. On 1290 CJBK, left, right, and center with Marion Boyd on the left, Bob Metz on the right, and Dan Gall in the middle. And if you just joined us, we had Federal Finance Minister on the air for about 15 minutes uh, this morning. Uh, he was with, uh, with us talking. And uh, we have Ian on the line now. Ian, you have a question or a comment with regards to our conversation? Well, apparently um, in Ottawa there are some um, very high-priced lobbyists from the the German and Dutch banks were trying to encourage government officials not to pay down the debt because <laughs> the money is uh, is something like at fifteen percent uh, that they're getting, and so right. they don't want to see that uh, come back too fast. Yeah, and I've always like thought that. it was an oxymoron that the uh, financial community and and particularly the banks kept hammering at the government over the debt since they were uh, laughing all the way uh, to to the bank with the money that uh, taxpayers are paying in interest. But, you know, the money that yeah. the government has out in loans is money that could, would otherwise be available in the private market, which would bring interest rates down if the government paid, paid off more of its debt. And so naturally, if I was in the banking industry and I wanted to keep interest rates up, I'd be encouraging the government to do that. Well, uh, I was thinking more of a, um, instead of a, uh, sometimes when you have a, a tax cut, it only affects a certain amount of people. But if we had something like a cut in the GST, Absolutely. That would help everybody. It would affect everybody, and that's, that's exactly that our position. tax cut only was, it was good for people who made 200000 bucks a year, for, but for the average working person, it made, you know, five or six bucks a week type thing, you know? Yep. Well, I, I wouldn't say that, Ian. I think it would affect everyone because, remember, the people who have a lot of money are the people who generally produce our goods and services that we buy, and then when we tax them more, they just pass the taxes on to us. They don't produce well, so. them. They actually, they actually pay others to produce them, Bob. Well, you can say that, but I mean, if you're making, uh, say, $200,000 a year and you get an extra $15,000, it usually means uh, uh, an extra trip to Cuba and a little bit more in your RSP. I don't know about creating... I've heard that song before. An offshore about, uh, investment. They're going to create a bunch of jobs for us. Well, uh, but, I don't know about that. But Ian, your point with regards to um, cutting GST, he's, Bob, you can't argue this. Everybody's affected. That's right. Everyone's affected by all taxes, though. Just because some, some of our taxes are invisible uh, and we think we're not affected, that's just simply not true. One of the advantages of the GST is that it is a visible tax and that people can see what it is and that they can see some level of government activity in their day-to-day -day life on every purchase, which <laughs> reminds them... Sure can. You know, because if you, if you made that tax invisible, which is all that they would do, if they lowered the GST, they'd raise it somewhere else. And then all that would matter, we'd have less to understand of what to complain about, really. But you know? the real difficulty <laughs> is that this is a regressive tax. It applies to everybody regardless of their ability to pay it. Well, a lot of and stuff is exempt from GST, like the basic necessities of life. Now, I agree that as, as you get into, quote, non-necessities and certain food stuff that you pay at the grocery store, you do pay tax Federal clothing on. is a necessity, Bob. It's not well, a... Well, I, I would luxury. agree, and I would think it would be an exemption. But, um, but you it's know, not. Between income tax and 
And the sales tax, I think the sales tax is, is a much more open and honest tax. Well, and, 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 it, and, and it takes into account absolutely in no way whether one has an ability to pay. If I make $200,000 a year, I pay the same amount on any item or service that the person who uh, makes uh, $7,000 a year uh, pays. That, to me, is just inequitable, and I think those regressive no, taxes if, are the place that we should be looking at. If you spend 200000 uh, on something, taxes. you're paying 15% on the 200000 which is a lot of money, whereas if you're I'm only spending... I'm talking about what we make, not what we're spending. If I make 200000 I pay exactly the same tax on an item that's essential to my family as someone who only earns seven thousand dollars well that's a because year. the price that someone's asking would be the same to anyone i don't when i sell something ask first what a person earns before i tell them what the price is going to be that's that's not the way it works that's why we have an econ uh, economy you know and that's why progressive taxes that take account of how much uh, money you have truly progressive income tax takes account of your ability to pay Thanks your tax Ian, thank you for your call, and uh, I was just interested in your opinion on the remarks, I uh, know they were short, that we had with mm -hmm. Mr. Martin. What is your thoughts with regards to anything that you've read from yesterday's speech and or his comments that were made on 1290 CJBK? Well, I, I didn't feel that he really answered the questions that I asked. To me, it sounded like it was just government as usual. Um, um, he's trying to walk that line in the middle, trying to appeal to people who would like to see taxes lowered and wants to appeal to people who, are, who want to see m more money spent on health care and education. And the that's been the way. liberal stand since the Liberal Party was invented. Absolutely, and, and it's, a, it's a masterful example of how someone who personally, and I think certainly in his own uh, uh, fiscal philosophy, would be much closer to you, Bob, than he would be to me. I mean, Mr. Martin has consistently indicated his own preferences around uh, being much closer to the kinds of policies you recommend. But he knows that he won't have the support of his own caucus. And, uh, in fact, the, the caucus uh, knows that the government wouldn't continue to enjoy the support that it has enjoyed if public services like hospitals, like education, uh, are not protected. The uh, interesting, uh, in your views would be great, and would have been a great question for Mr. Martin, but we ran out of time. Um, is simply this: Why did he choose London? He could have chose, you know, he could have chose any city across Canada for this economic outlook speech that he gave. Why did he choose well, London? Well, probably Joe Fontana was was uh, agitating quite strongly for it. He's <laughs> on the finance committee, and I would expect that would be uh, one little uh, little. Uh, a gesture towards Joe, who has been disappointed in some other ways in terms of the uh, perks that he's been able to uh, to get in this government. But leaving that aside, um, I think the answer was was made during the uh, speeches yesterday when it was brought up that Preston Manning had uh, done two uh, very uh, significant events in London, and uh, uh, it was it was said in a rather joking way, but that Mr. Martin was coming to sort of obliterate the right. <laughs> <laughs> Left, right, and center with Marion Boyd and Bob Metz, 643-1290. Star 1290 on the Cantel Network. If you've just joined us, we're talking about uh, the surprise uh, interview that we had with the federal finance minister just moments ago. Ivan, uh, we'll get to you in just a second, but Bob, uh, go ahead. You're on the air. Hello? Yes, go ahead. Yeah, good morning. It's Bob. Uh, good topic. Um I think uh, Martin should basically put most of the money into tax cuts. Um, we, we are not competitive as a nation. We, we are not getting more jobs here. Our job rate is very, very slow to come down compared to the U.S. 
Uh, I was reading the other day when uh, Daimler-Benz and BMW uh, moved to North America to manufacture cars, they weren't even interested in Canada and because of high taxes. But look at all those jobs we've lost. People are leaving. Uh, people don't want to invest here because of, because of taxes. I mean, the technology um, revolution is taking place in the United States. A lot of these people are paid in, in share uh, issues. And the tax rates on these people, well, they just don't want to come here because, you know, they don't, people don't want to pay those taxes. And, and these are the people that generate the revenue. Good point, Bob. You know, are we... It's ahead. very nice to help the little guy, and he needs some help. But we can give him more help if we help the big guy, because it'll be a trickle-down. But the trickle-down has never worked, and, and well, we certainly saw that not work in Reaganomics. Me. I was an airline pilot, and I'm retired, and I made all my money working all week and, and Saturdays for rich people so I could buy a flying lesson on Sunday and become an airline pilot. And it provided me with a very good income. You know, I think there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, what you want to do is tax the dickens out of these rich people and then give me the money, which would not give me any self-worth. It would not produce anything in me except another person who needed a handout. You no, can't I, go with that route. We've tried it. It doesn't work anywhere. The question is not giving people uh, the money. The question is supporting good public services. You talk about the ability to make money in the States, but you look at what they, it costs them in other forms of taxation, such as purchasing the insurance that they need for health care, and what happens in terms of bankruptcies when people don't have uh, the the level of insurance that they require when well, a catastrophic incident of living than we have. And if you, if you look at some of the things that have happened there lately, and in fact, in fact that's day, not what the United the Nations people, says. The black males that could never get jobs that were 22% unemployed is now down to 6%. That's a pretty good social program, and it comes with lower taxes. <laughs> It's, I mean, right. we, we, we've tried, Marion, we've tried your approach for 50 years, and that's why we have, what, $600 billion in debt and a disillusioned country. You know, we're, well, we're going to end up with part of the states if we don't change our, <laughs> change our tune. God forbid. Yeah, well, you better change your tune then. Thanks. Thank you for your call, Bob. Um, and, I mean, are we losing a lot of business uh, coming into Canada because of our taxes? Uh, no. I, I would tell, I would suggest, go so far as to suggest that the only reason we ever see tax breaks is when, because, uh, you know, taxes work on a principle, blood from stone. Whatever you can oh. get out of the person, that is what the rate of tax will be. And that's why when other countries start to lower their tax rates, we have to, because all the productive people go there. And those are the people that, that the little guy in the labor needs in order to survive. But, you know, there's this broader issue. I was listening to the show before Left, Right, and Center in your last hour, Dan, and you were talking to Dr. Fred Sexton, and who, who is leaving his practice. Uh, I was just glued to the radio for that period of time, and I could empathize with every problem he had. Um, these problems were predicted years ago when socialized medicine was introduced into the country. And, you know, we have the seeming paradox that we're spending a third of our federal budget or what, and provincial budgets and whatever else on health care, and yet... We're overburdening our doctors. Patients can't find doctors when they want to find doctors. You know, it just mm -hmm. seems like, well, wait a minute, isn't this a contradiction? No, it's perfectly consistent when you have a free, you know, anything you give out free, if you look at the supply and demand curve, what happens is that the demand becomes infinite. And that's what the doctor was experiencing, was an infinite demand curve on his services, which can only be checked when the people that you're servicing 
are paying their own way. And if the government wants to help, it should help the patient, not service industries, as Marion continually thinks is the issue. There are many ways you know? in which there are many ways in which doctors could assist in the utilization of the health care system. One is we have to recognize under the current system, they are paid on uh, uh, to to treat illness and injury. They aren't paid to keep us healthy. In fact, this current government has cut down on the number of codes that physicians are, are able to charge on that would, would in help to maintain our health. But uh, issues who like counseling. May I finish, Robert? And the other issue is that if, if in fact, we were, uh, we were encouraging doctors to uh, encourage better utilization rates uh, through the method of payment that we have, uh, through the kind of training that they have, which would put the emphasis on health, rather than on illness and injury. There, are, there have been many, many health economists who have been able to advise governments, you're right, over 20 years, that the way in which we're training doctors, the way in which we're paying doctors on a fee-for-service basis is exactly the problem with utilization rates, not the principle of socialized medicine. Well, so, so who, who, who has determined this method of payment? It's the government, right? Well, primarily, frankly, it's the, the, the power block that the physicians have. Uh, the physicians are, are, are able to say they have, they have challenged every, every stripe of government in most provinces by saying, if, if we don't get what we want, we'll withdraw our services. They aren't considered to be uh, essential services. Uh, doctors can go on strike, nurses can't. I mean, one of those interesting things that we, that we see. And in fact, they are very powerful. And well, when, when, doctors, have when doctors have to go to the government for their money and they can't charge their patients, they have no other option but to be begin lobby groups and become political interests and, and have to go after the taxpayer dollar. And the problem is when you have a top-down type of health care system, every doctor you add to the system is seen as a cost center. As, as Dr. Sexton pointed out, and that if you're only seen as that, that means that, you know, you want to reduce costs. But the doctors, the the, the the doctors themselves are responsible for the fact that that's the way that's, that's resulted. I have, they, uh, I have been, I in, I have been engaged in some of the, the negotiation with the OMA, and I can tell you that it is exactly the entrepreneurial spirit rather than the public service spirit that has led us to this particular situation. You're listening to Left, Right, and Center on 1290 CJBK with Marion Boyd on the left, Bob Metz on the right, Dan Gall in the center, and Ivan, I must first of all apologize. I didn't mean to hang up on you. I just thought we were going another way with the conversation that you lost in the shuffle. Well, so, when was that? Uh, is this? Oh, I'm sorry. This is another Ivan. Oh, yes, okay. I'm sorry. You mean there's another Ivan? Yeah, there's another Ivan. Well, sir. how about that? I'm going to take this to court. Go. You're on the <laughs> air. Go ahead. But anyway, I'd just like to talk about uh, sales tax and the flat tax. Alberta has no provincial sales tax. I lived in that province for five years, a very successful well. province. Now, Marion Boyd says the GST is immoral. Well, if the GST is immoral and she wants to get rid of it, when she was in government, why didn't she get rid of the 8% provincial sales tax? Well, first of all, I didn't say it was immoral, well, and I didn't say I wanted to get rid of it. I said if you're going to reduce taxes, that's the place to start. 8% sales tax. In, in our government, if you recall, we certainly weren't in the business of being able to lower taxes, no, given that we were in a huge recession. So it simply didn't arise, Ivan. It wasn't but one of the issues that faced us. You put this province in, a, in one hell of a mess. And about, I agree with Bob about the flat tax. That, hello? Go ahead. You're on yeah. the air, Ivan. I thought maybe I was cut off because I said hell. 
<laughs> I agree with Bob about he the flat been. tax. The reason that they won't bring in the flat tax is for this reason. If they had a flat tax, all it would have to be is one page. I could fill it out myself. I wouldn't have to go to a chartered accountant. No wonder the accountants uh, are against it because they would lose, lose business. A flat tax is really a smart thing, Bob. Okay, thank you, Ivan. Marion. Ivan agrees with uh, you, Bob. Uh, well, yeah, but Marion got me a little confused here now. Now she's saying that uh, she's not for lower, or for not for getting rid of the sales tax, but if you were going to start lowering taxes, that would be where to start. Yes. But you're not in favor of lowering taxes, are you? Uh, not necessarily at all. I think in the circumstances that we have, uh, where, where the, the economy is booming, I think any government would have to look at how to um, reduce debt, uh, how to uh, ensure that you are getting the, the best uh, kind of return for the dollars that are in the economy. I think that would be a challenge for any government. But I do think that if you're going to lower taxes, you lower the non-progressive taxes first uh, because, in fact, they have, have very little validity in terms of, 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 of equitable treatment of individuals. So I would, I would say that, no, I don't think any government, and I'll be very, very blunt, I don't think any government would be able to totally get rid of uh, provincial sales tax or the, the general sales tax. Part of the reason that this government is rolling in money is that they uh, you know, came into government in 1993 saying they would uh, do away with the GST, found out how much income they got from it, and they have been running uh, on that income and, and uh, uh, taking the credit uh, for the improved situation in Canada as a result of that that income from the GST ever since. And uh, it's very hard. Governments do become addicted mm -hmm. to uh, well, sure. what, is, what is essentially easy money. I can see that. Dan, welcome to Left, Right and Center, and thanks for holding on. You're on the air. Hi, yes. Uh, my question was in response to, I believe, something Bob Metz said to uh, Paul Martin yes. about uh, privatizing health care. Yes. Um, and also to a, a couple of uh, callers there who have talked about flat taxes and pointing to America's low taxes, uh, saying that for a good economic uh, boom and the reason they supposedly have better social programs. I was wondering why they don't basically uh, move that there if they think it's so much better. I mean, it's not that far. They are pretty, pretty easy to get in there if you're Canadian, especially if you have a good diploma. Well, a lot, uh, lot of people do move student, there. You, uh, have a lot of debt, so it's a good place to go. That's why we have a brain drain. We have a lot of debt, so we have to go there to pay off debt. But also, I'd like to know, Mr. Metz, if you would run on the platform of privatization uh, in an election. Oh, absolutely, and I have several times in the past. You know, when we talk about, as Marion said, getting the best return for our money in the economy, the only way you can measure the value of the return you're getting is if you have a choice in where your money is being spent and where it goes. This simply doesn't happen with government spending. The average Canadian spends half his life of a given fiscal year just paying for the various taxes to the various levels of government that he has to pay. I think uh, it's been getting a little bit better. The Fraser Institute's Tax Freedom Day is now, I think, right at the end of June instead of 1st of July or something like that. But, but, you know, that's outrageous that you're working half of your life just to pay for government services that they can't promise you. I Our doctors are burning out. Our patients... decided that... Uh where the money's going to go, they could put it to students. I mean, again, uh, you can run on a campaign of prioritization, but you'll never win because most Canadians prefer a health care system. The average Canadian you talk about, they prefer a health care system over a tax cut. Absolutely. You're absolutely right, country. Dan. 
I'm not, and, I wouldn't uh, argue I'm that. I'm not going to say it's not mismanaged, but you know, you're going to lose every time you run. And I can't believe you would actually say you would say privatization in an election because you never would. You would never win. Oh, he has, actually. Oh, well, I, I, I have to tell you, Dan, he, he'll never win, but, but he has said uh, that. But you know what's happening, Dan? <laughs> the, the other parties are saying they won't privatize, so they lie to you. And then when they get in power, they start privatizing. Well, I agree because it has there, to be but done. I don't believe the NDP ever would. But the NDP did it, too, under Bob Ray. Oh, I don't Listen, there's no, there is no other choice. <laughs> we have to privatize whether your politicians are going to be honest with you about it or not. Because privatization simply means that you get to choose where your tax dollars go as far as health care, education. Privati you get to choose. Privatization simply means that your tax dollars go into private pockets instead of making sure that every individual has health care and education. All doctors are private individuals, whether they're paid by the government, it goes into the private, 40, private coffers. 40, Teachers, lawyers, 40 million you and I are plus Americans have absolutely no access to health care because they have no health insurance. That's absolutely And untrue. another 85 untrue. million have, have inadequate care they, they pay through the nose privately to insurance companies who take that money and, 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 and it doesn't benefit the people who are paying those dollars. We've got to take a break. Dan, thanks for your call this morning on, on left, right, and center. We appreciate it. 643-1290, star 1290 on the Cantel Network. Marion Boyd is on the left. Bob Metz is on the right. You're with Dan Gall right here in the center. And Talk of the Town continues after this on 1290 CJBK. Good morning and welcome to Left, Right, and Center. 643-1290, Star 1290 on the Cantel Network. On our left is Marion Boyd. On our right is Bob Metz. Dan Gall is in the center here in 1290 CJBK. Robert, good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning. You're on the air. Go ahead. Yes, thank you very much. I just want to ask Marion Boyd a question. Yep. I'm a disabled man. Yes. And I would like to know uh, when the disabled people would get a raise in, uh, in money. Well, I think that's a very good question. There are a lot of disabled people who are still uh, trying to cope with uh, with an income that uh, hasn't changed in in uh, a number of years, and of course the cost of living has gone up. Um, our government, uh, as you probably know, uh, was uh, very concerned about that that sort of static way of of dealing with things. Um, I think with the current uh, economic boom and the the ability that this government has to uh, give tax cuts to those who are, are wealthy. Uh, I'm quite sure that a, an NDP government would have found a way to increase the income for for those who are are disabled and who are trying to be part of the community. I know it's very difficult. Yes, you know, Robert, I, I think part of the problem here is that we have all these universal health care and education programs that, that are not for disabled people, that are for perfectly healthy people, mm -hmm. who could do a lot of things on their own and pay for their own way. But unfortunately, we have governments that think that we need a universal health care system for everybody, rich and poor alike, and then they're surprised that there's no money left for folks like you. I think so too. You know, well. and that's they just keep denying it. You know, I just Marion said it again: tax cuts to the wealthy. Well, if you can cut down everyone's cost of living, then you would probably not even need more money. I think you'd be happy if the price of everything was cut by half. Robert, do you pay taxes? Yes, of course I do. No, I'm talking oh. to the caller. Oh, I'm sorry, the caller's <laughs> gone. Oh. It's always, and I'm sure he I'm does. Sure he does. Well, <laughs> I, I'm sure he pays some federal tax. But I think with the policies that have been put in place in Ontario, gradually those who are on fixed incomes, who are, who are uh, getting uh, some assistance from, from the public purse, uh, are the ones who have for the most part benefited when those, those tax rates for the, the, the lowest income people uh, have, have been reduced. Bruce, welcome to Left, Right and Center. Your comments, please. Uh. 
uh, I'm waiting to talk to Marion Boyd. You got her. Go ahead. Okay. My name is Bruce. Hi. Uh, I had a heart attack. I'm another disabled person, okay? Mm -hmm. I had a heart attack back on July. Mm -hmm. I have two full blocked arteries and one 45%. Yep. I have a six to 12 month waiting period before I can get any disability of the government. Yep. Why do we make it so long for people like this? Well, I, I, I wish I could answer you that because certainly as an MPP over the last uh, four years, that was one of the biggest complaints that we had from people, uh, their inability to get on to the uh, new disability uh, support plan and uh, the length of, of waiting time and what that did to their health while they were waiting. I think it's a very good question. I think uh, part of the, the problem, of course, is that this government is not staffing, as the ombudsman pointed out, is not staffing government offices to the extent that they can deal with the volume of, of legitimate complaints that are coming through. And that kind of weight, I mean, I know what kind of an effect that has on someone whose health is already shaky. So um, I, I, I certainly keep advocating for a much more streamlined system to enable people like you to have the income that you're entitled to as a disabled person. Well, I have a wife and three children. Yeah. We live in a small town called Westmore. Yeah. Uh, I've already gone through all my RRSPs. Yeah. Finances are starting to run out. Exactly. My biggest problem is when I went and applied for the Ontario Disability, at the end of the session of the meeting, the guy says, won't you claim bankruptcy? Now, do you think that's right? No, I don't. And I also think that it's a, it's a false way around the problem. When people are disabled, uh, they are in a situation where they ought not to have to run out all their life savings and jeopardize the future of their families in order to get the program that they were promised by this current government. Um, and I think, uh, I think it would be shocking for a lot of people to know how many disabled people are disallowed from the plan, how many disabled people wait months and months in order to even have an appointment to, to apply to get onto the plan, and what is happening to their families as a result. Well, I, I think it's, it's got to be sped up somehow. Like, this is not right. Like, I've, I've got a good chance of losing my house, which means, like, what am I supposed to do with my kids? Exactly. Like, I pay $630 a month for a mortgage. Apartments in London, you're looking at anywhere between $750 and $1,000 plus utilities. Yep. Can't afford it. And, like, and the stress on you looking at that as a, a possible future must be enormous. It can't be helping your health condition. Bob, do you have a perspective well, on this? Again, I could repeat the same message that I said to Robert earlier, but, but more broadly, you know, uh, we, we, the idea of health insurance and all these protections were to, were to protect from catastrophic loss, from very serious illness. And again, we have a system that doesn't just address that. It addresses the common cold. You can go into a doctor and, and charge that to the same bill that, that, you know, that Bruce is waiting for his money to come from. And then he wonders why he has to wait long, because the rest of us are out there getting a free service as well. It's the same situation. It keeps coming around and coming around, and you can't escape it as long as we have a universal, free, 100% no-cost to the patient health care system. And that applies to education and to every government service. What would have happened you to you, Bruce, escape. if you'd had to pay for the health care that you've had since you had this heart attack and, and, and since you've he experienced this? He does have to pay for it. In you just said it was it was free. Well, he didn't no, have no. to pay a thing. Well, he's forced to pay taxes. He says he's, his RSPs are already gone. He says that he's been spending a lot of money of his own money. He hasn't got the protection against this thing that his government promised him. That's because the government can't. There's a difference keep a between the like health care costs, Robert, and these costs. If you ask someone in the states with the same kind of situation that Bruce has, 
where they spend their money. They may not spend their money trying to maintain their home and pay for education for the kids, but they're going to pay their money trying to get their health condition looked after if they have the money, and they're going to bankrupt their family in exactly the same way. And quite frankly, we are supposed to have a safety net in place for people who become disabled. This government, because it is not prepared to uh, streamline the uh, application process, is putting people in double jeopardy. Don't you think that there should be someone outside the safety net holding it up instead of everybody inside it? I mean, you always use that analogy, safety Bruce, net, you know? Yes. Bruce, we want to thank you for your call. We wish you all our best. Okay, thank you. Thank all you. the best. Good call. Good mm -hmm. comment. 643-1290, star-1290 on the Can't Tell Network. It's left, right, and center. And we see Dave, Bill, and Robert standing by. We'll get to you as soon as we're uh, going, going to get through this commercial break on 1290. Robert, Robert. Yes. Yes, go ahead. Your comments? Hi. I just Hi. wanted to address Marilyn's contradiction on taxes. Um, I believe that flat taxes are the, are the only equitable way of taxing people because, because they are the only way that you can... Uh, treat everybody equally. But you heard Mr. Martin say that in order to do that and to maintain the uh, services that we have, that rate would have to be so high that it would be prohibitively high for those who are at the lowest income levels. Yes, I, I understand that, but I think that's, that's a fallacy in thinking. But what I'm saying is that it, the flat taxes treat everybody equally when people are spending their own money. And so one of the benefits is that it encourages savings, but progressive taxes, which you seem to like, are basically counterproductive and immoral because they treat everybody unequally, which is the exact thing that you don't want to have happen. Well, I'm always, I'm always amazed at how people throw around the term equally uh, in, in the way that yourself. you are. Because quite frankly, when we really are looking at the situation it what is is i mean we can we can both we can quibble about terminology yes. but if i'm earning ten thousand dollars a year I've heard and i have analogy, to pay ten percent tax I, I i i lose a huge proportion of the basic cost that i that i i i have in order to maintain my family a whole different ball game than it would be for me if i earned a hundred thousand dollars and, and paid 10000 because I already That's have true, but so much money above what the basic cost of living would be. But that doesn't justify taxing other people at different rates. It does if the uh, purpose of your policy is to try and, and even out but, the, the ability of every citizen to have a successful life in the, in the country. Yes, but progressive taxes, Marilyn, are Marianne. taxes on what you earn, not on what you spend. They're taxes on what you earn, and therefore, because if you earn more, you get treated differently by the law. You have to pay more. Now, where's the equity in that? You have an ability and to what pay the other more. thing it does is it kills people's incentive, and it kills their initiative and their productivity, and it becomes a you know a drag on society because you're you're taxing people's earning potential, and so that that that. By doing that, you're taxing their ability and their creativity and, and their incentive to go out there and do something. Well, I certainly disagree with you. Bill, thanks for your, for your call this morning. We have a that couple more Robert. calls. I'm sorry, was that Robert? Yes, Robert, thank you for your calls. Uh, does he have a point here, Bob? Well, well absolutely. You, you know, when Paul Martin said that we couldn't have a flat tax because he wanted to maintain the services we have and it would be too much, what he really meant was he wants to maintain the level of government spending that we have right now because... The services are deteriorating, and everybody knows mm -hmm. that, okay? Mm -hmm. So if even if you 
kept the same spending now or even spent more, I would suggest to you the services will continue to deter deteriorate because that's been the pattern for the last 30 years. Every year we spend more and, and we seem to get less. Bill, you have 30 seconds. Your comments, please. Okay. United States spends 11.8% on every dollar produced by their economy. Canada, 9 Right down to the right bottom. on. Pardon? <laughs> yeah. Right down to the bottom, 58 with Britain, which I believe started this nonsense. Sweden, 8.8. .8. I'd say we're doing pretty good, Marion. As far as spending goes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're doing real good goes. on spending. We're doing great, but uh, you hear that uh, everybody in the States is running around with unset broken arms. This is pure nonsense. They have uh, full charity hospitals there. This is in uh, New Orleans that I know for a fact. They have a full... Uh, Charity hospital, a partial private hospital. Yeah, they have choice down there. That's what we're doing. There, don't there have is up a here. choice. As long as you have money, you have choice. Marion, a friend of mine died down there in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. He went to the hospital where he did die. The only thing they got from that hospital was a Christmas card. There was never a bill. And on that note, Bill, we may pick this up again next week. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Left, Right, and Center on 1290 CJB Care. Thanks from the left, Marion Boyd. Thank you very much. Thank you. On the right is Bob Metz. Thank you. Take care, Dan. I'm Dan Gall, and on behalf of the radio station, thanks to Federal Finance Minister for a cameo appearance on Left, Right, and Center.